You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Jutze Sung at Outpost24. Every euro we spend, we return over 10 or 11 euro back to the business. Wow. So that's a number I'm happy with and we like to keep it that way. Welcome to the fourth episode of the SAS Nordic podcast. And now we've been live for two weeks. We started out with three episodes from the beginning. We had Funnel, we had Industry Fondum with the investor's perspective, and then we went a bit techy with Emil Efrem at Neo4j. So that's how we started. And it's been great fun. What do you say, Daniel? It's been tons of fun. We've learned a lot throughout the exercise. We received great feedback from the community. So. For all of you listening, please keep it coming, keep the good advice coming our way, and, and we'll do our best to, to accommodate your wishes. Absolutely. And uh, already from the first day, actually, we, we got the inquiries from companies that wanted to get on the show. And uh, if you feel the same, you can just reach out to us on LinkedIn, or you can send an email to contact at sasnordic.com, and we'll make it happen. There are so many interesting SaaS companies out there in the Nordics, and we would very much like to know you and find good topics for the show. Definitely. And now we're moving into the regular cadence here with a new sep- episode every other week. And we have the fourth episode coming up. Thomas, would you do us the great pleasure to introduce the next guest in the episode? Absolutely. So today I think we have a company that works in a space that is very relevant since we are going into the cybersecurity part of things. Uh, It's Outpost 24. And we're going to take the marketing angle in this episode because we have the pleasure of having their VP of marketing, Yutsu Tsung, as a guest. And she has also experiences from other companies that is also... Uh, relevant for this. So without further ado, let's go and talk to Jutze. Today we are very happy to have Jutze Sung, the VP of Marketing at Outpost 24 here as a guest at SAS Nordic. So welcome Jutze. Thank you, Thomas. Great to be here. Yeah. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Stuck in my home office like after six months, we're still here, <laughs> but keeping safe. <laughs> yeah, and where is your office? I'm based in London, UK. So now our infection rate is riding, so we are hiding at home <laughs> for the time being. Yeah. And have you been situated in London for quite some time? Because I know you've worked for a, a certain amount of Swedish companies in the past. Yeah, so i actually been in London for about 20 years. So I came here as a student to um, study here and then never left. And I started my career in the UK and I've always worked in technologies. So, uh, and, and for the past sort of 10, 10 years, I guess, I work for, uh, two different, uh, Swedish companies. So have a pretty big Nordic connection now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Interesting. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your career. Sure. Perfect. Uh, so, uh, funny enough, I started my career in hardware marketing, something called oscilloscope and spectrum analyzer. And I have, I have no expectation that anyone will know what they are, but they are hardware that used to test like cell phone frequency or medical device. Um, so that was kind of my first job. And then I doubled in professional service marketing and working for a marketing agency as well before I stumbled into SaaS and tech industry. 
And I completely fell in love and just never wanted to leave again. So I've been working in tech and software ever since. Um, so the most, I guess, the reason I, uh, I work for EpiServer, um, a Swedish-based um, digital experience platform company. So I was actually the first marketing hire of the company outside of the Swedish XQ task with growing the company, um, growing the marketing outside XQ as they were going international. So my time that I spent about seven years there and I've sort of done a lot of different uh, roles in marketing from lead generation, uh, product marketing, uh, partner channel marketing, and sort of helping to grow the company. Initially, with from sort of the 20, 20 million up to 50 million, we, we've done a few, a few rounds of uh, mergers and acquisitions and eventually when I left the company was up to about 100 million so there's a lot a lot that had gone through in those times <laughs> I, I bet that must have been an, an exciting journey yes it's a lot of fun I learned a lot and it's a great journey to see the company that grow from a Swedish Bay company and really uh, catapult into the international scene and be one of the biggest digital digital experience platform so um, and then about Two, three years ago, when I left the company, I actually moved into cybersecurity software and hoping to do that all again, helping this company, Apple 24, grow internationally and uh, have the same journey. Right, right. Yeah. So today you are uh, the VP of Global Marketing at Outpost 24. Uh, for the ones that don't know Outpost 24, can you tell us briefly what do you guys do and what type of problems do you solve for your customers? Yeah, for sure. So uh, Outpost 24 is uh, what we call a cyber assessment company. So we specialize in full stack security testing for a company. So really the main idea is we don't think it's fair that businesses are targets of uh, cyber criminals. And now you can see there's a lot of cyber crime going out there as all the company have their digital, uh, going through digital transformation. So the company is started by a bunch of uh, ethical hackers who are putting their expertise to build a software product that will automate uh, uh, security assessment across the different stack, technology stack of the company. So that's like net, their network, their cloud infrastructure as they're all moving into clouds, web application that's really changing the way company works and even wireless security as well. By automating all these assessments, we're trying to bring them into a unified security insight for our customers so they know exactly where their security weakness are and can do something to fix it before a hacker finds it. So it's really about helping our customer to improve this, what we call the security hygiene mm -hmm. or security posture, so they can prevent data breach and hacks in a more uh, actionable approach. All right. So, so in simple terms, uh, just to make sure I, I follow along here, it's a piece of software that is running somewhere that helps us as a company assess my security security vulnerability yes is there a set of service that comes along with this or is it just a piece of software that helps me with this assessment yes we do so of course like i said we were created by uh ethical hackers yep. so we do things like uh, menu testing and uh red teaming as well so these are kind of like the cool part of it before we put it into a software to automate of course we have a team of hackers sometimes we engage with some of the company to actually 
given the permission to hack into their company. Okay. So we might have uh, one of our hackers who physically turn up to at a target company premise and try to dress up as the telephone guy, <laughs> sneak into the back door and see if they can connect to your server room and get into your internal network. So very much like Mr. Robot. And if you have watched that show on uh, on TV before. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so when the fruit company comes with, with the fresh fruit, so you should be maybe have a look so we don't go into the server room. Exactly. So that's like the cool fun part of it. But uh, of course, uh, security is really important now for most of the company. And then our software is really to make that a process of finding out your vulnerability more more efficient, more painless and easy. Okay. Right. So most companies are, are digital today and would probably... Uh, benefit from a service like this who would you say is is the ideal outpost 24 customer like who are you guys targeting yeah we're working with mostly mid-sized to enterprise that a company that are really uh, doing a lot of uh, sort of digital transformation or hold a lot of sensitive information and data about maybe its customers or they do transaction. So a lot of the security stuff is also tied in there with their local data protection law and legislation as well. So uh, it company has the responsibility to protect their customer data and sensitive information about their staff even. So uh, a lot of what we do is really helping company to understand that weakness across the technology, where the security, uh, where the data are whole, uh, where's the problem and how you should protect that. Okay, right. So now when we have uh, an expert marketeer as a guest here, we, we would like to dive deeper into the marketing part of this. So what is your mission? as marketer at Outpost 24? Sure, of course. So as the uh, he uh, head of marketing at Outpost 24, so I do wear many hats. Uh, the main focus is really around new customer acquisition, getting new logo. But I think the, the real mission is helping the company jump from a startup phrase into what we call a scale-up phrase as we grow uh, globally. So it's really quite common for a software company to go through this kind of stages for like the startup phase usually is like the founder own run tech company and to more of a scale up phase to formalize a responsibility into more de uh, defined departments like marketing or customer success and putting in the right process as well to make sure the customer, uh, well make sure, sorry, the company have a right structure to scale as you grow. So that's kind of my big mission there. So, uh, of course, that would tie in a lot with things like lead generation, uh, sales enablement, product marketing, and setting up our channel as well. But that all contribute to that mission of moving the company from a startup to a scale-up that's ready for high growth. Yeah, and that's where you are right now, right? The, the founders has left the company or, um... Yes. So, uh, so right now, as uh, we kind of been through that uh, stage, the founder have left the company. We bring, we brought on a very experienced uh, management team to, you know, catapult the company from uh, this into the scale up phases. So that's how uh, sort of I joined the company about two ish, three years ago to really uh, formalize the marketing department as well. Previously, we've been very loosely doing some marketing in the company. Yeah, we have 
quite a static website. We go to some trade show, very old school sort of product focused type of marketing rather than uh, more thinking about what does our customer really want? How are we really helping the customer? So my job is really to turn the marketing into what our uh, based on a customer's pain point and what they're looking for rather than just a product sales and product pitch. Okay, that's very interesting. And obviously, I know that uh, uh, all companies struggle with marketing, you know, uh, getting that off the ground from the get go. Uh, in startups, there's limited budgets and so on. So I wanted to ask for, from your experience now that you're moving into the scale up phase so to say how do you get most bang for the buck with your marketing efforts what are the channels you guys use yeah definitely so uh since uh we are still uh like called moving from a startup from a scale up we have just like everyone limited budget you're trying to make the most out of it so when i join we actually take a bit of what i call a digital first approach in marketing so we move a majority of our marketing investment into digital by start building up a a strong digital presence and integrate with all the other stuff we do like uh, you know when you do event that should be integrated to your website or other digital channel so that we can have the integrated approach right so we're very much focused on uh, sort of what i call a few different layers of kpis of course you have the campaign kpi you will look get you know things like you know your site visitors the response from the campaign a demo page conversion that sort of thing but very much our focus is on funnel conversion so we do kind of divide the things we do into a very typical what we call the see things do funnel kind of top of funnel middle of funnel and bottom of the funnel mm-hmm. and and we really want to uh, see how they uh, how our marketing effort is helping them move across the funnel down to the area that what we call, you know, like a conversion, like a demo page conversion or talk to us, that sort of thing. Uh, but then on the business perspective, from how we contribute as a business, the success is very defined by our contribution to our sales pipeline and revenue contribution uh, from marketing. Mm-hmm. So uh, the really key things I would uh, decide on which channel we will use and what we invest in would be looking into what we call not just a ROI people talk about return on investment I often the first step is to look at the channel based on their return on pipeline because pipeline is the first step uh, of uh, channel effectiveness that it tells me if I invest in this is this getting the right pipeline into sales without that pipeline it would not become a uh, return on investment, which is the revenue. So, uh, so I use what I call ROP and ROI to really measure our marketing to see, okay, if we can get to the pipeline stage first, we know this channel is working. And if we have problem converting the pipeline into actual revenue, then we have other work to be done in terms of product marketing, sales and enablement, or the brand side of things. Okay, that's very interesting to hear. And uh, uh, actually, I'm myself sitting in a dialogue now where we're uh, defining or redefining KPIs for the different teams, sales versus marketing and so on. And you touched upon some of these KPIs, but from a global marketing perspective in the role you have, 
which ones would you say are the main KPIs that you track and that you have agreed together with your CEO be the ones that are the most important? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, of course, we do monthly reporting on this. I'm constantly looking at the numbers. So the funnel conversion, we look at the funnel conversion rate, like the very typical B2B sales from lead to MQL, SQL to opportunity. So that's a good indication of how the funnel is going. And, And do you have any benchmark numbers there, what those conversion rates, where you would like them to be? Well, it's always higher. <laughs> we like to be, but we are sort of in line with industry average. Of course, sometimes we have peace and troughs based on the campaigns that we do. So, so far, we are in line with uh, industry average. But I think the key is from a marketing perspective, of course, it's very the sort of MQL to SQL is one of the most important and the SQL to opportunity. Right. Because from MQL to SQL, that's when we do the sales, uh, what we call the marketing and sales handover. So when it, when we turn someone into SQL, that's at the point that we actually hand over that lead or qualified lead to our sales team. And our sales team, we actually do the initial qualification to determine whether there's actual opportunity there. If there is, then it will become an opportunity. So I'll say those two stages are the most important KPI that we look at uh, to determine, okay, are we creating enough pipeline? Are we creating enough uh, revenue based on the pipeline we have as well. Okay. And then I think when it comes down to what we talk about that ROI as well, we have this specific KPI, I guess is not common for every organization. Uh, I We actually report on every month how much we spend and how much we get in terms of revenue. So for every dollar or every euro we spend in marketing, we have a return on investment figure. And currently we are returning around every euro we spend, we return over 10 or 11 euro back to the business. Wow. So that's a number I'm happy with and we like to keep it that way. That's That sounds like a rather high number. Yes. I mean, we are a very lean marketing organization. At the stage, we are now very focused on generating growth, new logos, pipeline. And normally, uh, industry average would say that if you can do one to five ratio, it's a good ratio. And we're actually trending around you know, one to sort of one to 10, one to 11. So it's, it's doing pretty good. But of course, all of this would depend on, uh, you know, the campaigns that we're running, the things that we invested in as well. But so far, it's a good number. <laughs> so you mentioned that you went for a digital first approach. And I guess you can't do everything at the same time. So what have you focused on and what channels are performing best for you? For you? Yeah, so the foremost, when I uh, joined Apples 24, like I mentioned before, we have a very static website. So our website was more of a brochureware, like the old school brochureware. So we kind of like, we, 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 we done our website into some like a lead gen engine, as you say. So our website is actually one of the most important assets. Everything we do 
uh, with digital, like the emails or PPC or any events that we do is all coming back to our website to do the conversion. So, um, uh, of course, some of the really, you know, website is the place that we do all our content. SEO is a place that all the prospect can find information and, and build a brand. And then it's the place that all of our emails uh, or webinar is hosted on as well. So everything then so that uh, everything can tie in together. So every campaign we do is very much we think about, okay, you might have a landing page on the website. We use the email to promote it and then we run specific advertising or other campaigns, but it all come back to the website for that conversion. So we also can have all the analytics in one place knowing that what we've done in different channel follow the customer journey that we plan out or design for the prospects to go through as well. Okay. Do you do LinkedIn ads, uh, AdWords, PPC? And yes, that kind of we stuff? do. So we do the usual kind of the social side and we do pay social to help us uh, reach out to new logos. And then uh, we do a very uh, intense monthly webinar program. Because we believe that, you know, to build our brand, to, to sustain lead gen is not just about selling product, right? We have to sell value. We have to educate our customer about security. So we started to put a lot of effort into content marketing, uh, creating educational content for leadership stuff that's useful for our customer or useful for our prospect and use that as a hook to get customers to the website. Because uh, we felt that really, you know, just talking our, about our product is, is quite boring, <laughs> you know. <laughs> really, we're trying to help our prospect and customer understand uh, uh, the challenges or the trends in cybersecurity, how they should adapt, and then how we can actually help them with some of those challenges. How much of this content creation is influenced by your customers or are they part of this exercise to a certain extent uh, i would say definitely because a lot of the content that we do is based on i mean to what our customer feedbacks the questions they're asking our sales team uh, and the customer we talk to from the product management team and also we do a lot of research of course around the trends what are the things that that's hot out there uh, just to take an example, uh, when the COVID-19 had hit, the big thing in the cybersecurity space is securing remote workers. So a lot of the company, uh, they might go from having 20,000 employees in, in the, in their office every day to having 20 and uh, 20,000 employees remotely working. And suddenly they go outside what we call the company's security perimeter, the safety net of the, the building's network, the, the, the internet connection. They're all using kind of home Wi-Fi, different uh, machines at home, the devices that are unchecked by the company. So that is a huge change for the security team. They need to look into how they secure their, their employees' use of these devices and the different internet network, um, but still keeping the access of data and company system for all those remote workers. So these are the things that, that we sort of pick up from our customer and pick up from the trends out there. And quickly, we can turn around useful content for our customer to help them meet this challenge. 
SaaS Nordic is growing, and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SaaS Nordic Community Manager, and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate, and share knowledge with other SaaS professionals in the Nordics. The SaaS Nordic community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SaaS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com. We can't wait to have you on board. So what should B2B SaaS startups look for when hiring their first VP of marketing? At what point do you have to hire that kind of person? Yeah, I would say, you know, the type of a marketing person for a B2B uh, SaaS startup or scale up, it really will depend on the maturity of the company. I'll say sort of in the, um, it's the maturity and the funding, funding stage of the company as well. So for a startup, usually you are more in the survival phase, what we call, then you're going to need a marketing person. May not be a VP, but you need a marketing lead at this point to be pretty hands-on because this is kind of the building phase. You need somebody to be pretty hands-on. They might not have a lot of marketing staff to kind of like build things, try things, and just get things going and work out, really testing out what works and what doesn't work. And then once you start to scale, you will really want a marketing VP uh, that with more of a uh, operational experience to build the foundation of a strong marketing automation, uh, uh, marketing operation. Because that's the part that you need to start formalizing your operation and have a good way to handle all this uh, sales and marketing handover, lead to revenue uh, management stage and have all these analytics and KPI start to be more defined so that you can, you know, really see how the company is scaling out, tracking the new logos and that sort of thing. Then once you hit the next stage, um, then what we call, I mean, often they'll call a sell-up stage. That's the one when you scale and like kind of prepare for a bigger sell. Then you would, your business is already proven and more sustainable. Then you would really want a VP marketing or CMO to be something more really focused around improving performance and optimizing all these marketing channels that you have built and have been successful. But how do you just keep optimizing it and getting more results? as preparing for the sell-up. Mm. So that's how we, I would classify as some of these things. Of course, I think the hard skill that we really need to do marketing uh, is some of the analytics stuff because once you start to grow, we really, you really need to get those things right and put the right foundation into the measurements and KPIs. And the soft skill is often really just being very resourceful because at the beginning of the journey, you're not going to have all the big budget and resources that you need. But how do you kind of like grow, growth hack some of the stuff? How do you like make one, one plus ones equal free? These are the magic that, that marketing person need to actually help the, com- the company grow, move to the next stage. Exactly. Like you said, you got to be scrappy, you got to be resourceful. I wanted to ask from your perspective, um, what is the minimum requirement you feel like going into Outpost 24 or somebody else in terms of MarTech toolset? What does a marketing team need to get this off the ground? 
Yeah, so I think the baseline of a minimum requirement is uh, what we, we can call it like an MVP of a marketing op- operation is really, of course, you're going to need your CRM where you keep all your customer records. You need uh, a your uh, marketing automation platform that you can automate most of the stuff and do your campaigns and the website. And But what's m- most important is actually the integration across all of them. As uh, I guess uh, when we talk about marketing technology stack, the famous Scott Brinker MarTech landscape is one of the most famous graphs. We, we've all seen how crazy, how many platforms are out there that every marketer can use. Literally everything under the sun, there's a tool for it. But with so many tools out there, the most important part, like I say, is actually the integration between them because that's where you really get the value out of these tools. Right. Um, and, and from my personal experience, I rely heavily on the analytics to help me understand performance and understand where I should invest in terms of whether it's channels or efforts into different things. So most of the time, if you haven't thought through your data architecture or your marketing stack from the beginning, you're going to end up with having a lot of systems sitting in silo. And it really takes a lot of time and effort to fix it down the line. So I think having that a bit of that clarity from the beginning and start building your marketing stack with the idea of integration and 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 the data that you need to get out of it, of it is pretty important. Exactly. And, and may we ask, do you have any favorite tools that that uh, you prefer? There's there's definitely a lot of great tools out in the market. At the stage of our company is we are using um, HubSpot market automation. I would say it's a pretty good tool for like the startup and scale fa- uh, scale up phase. It's really really easy to use, no training in- required, and it's built to have a lot of good integration point with most of the big CRMs like Salesforce or other bigger. And it just makes that process a lot smoother because yeah. i'll say at this point of the company you might not have like integration team yeah. a lot of stuff uh the marketing person also need to be a little bit tech savvy as well you know <laughs> yeah. to kind of know how to get your tools together if you don't have a big it backing to do that no and the basic crm offer is free right with hubspot but when you do marketing automation and and all of that exactly I mean, then you need the subscription part exactly so as you grow then you can move into things like you know uh, well my, hubspot is 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 priced based on um your your contact uh, the number of your contact database so as you grow your business you will kind of pay based on that okay. you know, if you're going in database you will pay more and then of course uh, HubSpot also come with things like sales hub and eventually some of the customers customer hub as well they can do so it really depending on where the company and um, will move and grow but it's a good tool I think to start off with uh, uh, once of course you become more what we call sell up or enterprise level there's still so many other tools out there like the Marketo like the Pardog that's owned by Salesforce as well. So uh, in-house capability to understand your tools is pretty important. And setting up the right process, like we say, is always like 
people, technology and process, right? Having the two is one thing, but how you work it is most important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I wanted to come back to uh, marketing in terms of uh, a local versus a global flavor. In some of the previous episodes, we talked to, to sales professionals, uh, the difference in selling in the Nordics or in one local region versus selling globally. Um, from a marketing perspective, do you see a difference marketing locally versus marketing globally? Yeah, definitely. So in my day-to-day uh, job, of course, we cover a wide region. So, uh, I mean, in Europe, we cover so like Nordics, UK, Benelux, uh, the dark region and the US as well. So I would say our uh, sort of the way that we do marketing in Europe in Nordics and the US are quite different. Okay. So it will be uh, kind of like, a, you know, just like you would say, you think in the US is a lot more uh, aggressive and more approach because that's what that uh, sort of US culture is gravitate towards. Uh, so in terms of noise or directness, it's kind of like, uh, kind of one, two, three, you have in the Nordic kind of more the nice, friendly sort of voice we will use and, and it emphasize a lot of human interaction, you know, consensus. While in when you come into at the markets like UK, then you become slightly more direct and uh, formal. While we move to the US, you actually become slightly more aggressive. I will use the term because <laughs> you know, you know, it's just a culture thing, and it's what they use to as well. As well. Uh, the audience is different; they take information differently. You have to be a lot more aggressive in your face approach. And so, uh, often when we do marketing in the US, we will actually go out and also sort of not mention that we are a Swedish company. We would just try to, you know, project ourselves as a U.S.-based company because uh, we find that a lot of time selling in the U.S. is is very much they, they don't take foreign uh, foreign company as well. So they would always prefer to buy uh, to to buy from a local buyer, and they would lean toward things more like analyst influence a bit more, like the Forrester and Gartner. You know, they, they are these are the things that we often get asked. Oh, are you in the quadrum? Are you in the wave? That sort of thing. Mm. And maybe especially when it comes to security, you want to buy American, perhaps, if you're an American company. Exactly. Kind of <laughs> These days, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would say in the US, like you say, that local presence is pretty important as well. Uh, and just the nature that is, we also find in the in the US, the audience don't respond well to uh, to accents or People don't may, might not that speak um, uh, English fluently well because they're used to having their language. While in Europe, it's more acceptable to have you know we might have you know pe- pe- people across the different European country with different speaking accents. So we try to kind of take those things into account as well to do our different ways of marketing. It might well be usually when we do a US webinar, we will uh, tend to use a native English speaker because people might struggle to understand an uh, European accent or something. All right, so so th- that's around sales in the different regions. But when it comes to sales, do you have 
people on the ground as well in, in the different markets as well? Yes, we do. So we have a sales office in most of the key regions that we operate in. So in the, in the U.S., we are based out of our Chicago office and we have a managed service center done in Miami as well. Of course, everyone would try to go to the Miami office just to be on the beach. <laughs> but uh, but I think to go into the U.S. often is quite important to have a local team that can deal with that time zone as well. Because I think one of the biggest pain from a European company going into the U.S. is to get used to the time zone. East Coast uh, ET time is easier to manage but when we come into west coast time uh, majority of time the europeans are logging offline as they're just starting so to serve our usa based company or customers is very important that we can match that time zone and and do things the way they want to do it as well and we can provide services in the time zone they need to and i think that's one of the often thing when um a european company grow into us need to take into account because majority of the delivery team if you're based in europe how are you going to cover 24 7 support for us based customer or if the customer want a quick answer, somebody need to be able to do that <laughs> within the right time zone. Okay, very interesting, uh, Yutsi. And I believe we have a couple of more questions uh, before we start rounding this up. And the question I had for you a little bit is your journey where with Outpost. What is your growth plans? Where do we see Outpost in the next two, three years? Yeah, so of course, like I say, we are preparing uh, the company to scale. So we're really now building a lot of the foundation to sort of push the company up into uh, a proper scale up and then form- formalizing all this process. I would definitely say our, our, our sort of ambition is to make Outpost one of the, uh, the fastest growing security company in Europe and then successfully going into the U.S. as well. We're faced with a lot of challenges going into U.S. Uh, in the way that our competitors are very established in the U.S. They're about not 10 times, probably 100 times bigger than us. So our key is really to focus on the niche and what we can do better than the bigger competitors so that we can grow faster that way. How big are you today? Uh, I mean, in numbers, I don't think we, we asked that before. Yeah, so we are around, so last year it was around 13 to 14 million euros. So we have the ambition, of course, to grow at least 20 to 30% every year. At this stage of the company, this is our ambition. If we don't grow 20 to 30% every year, we'll be dis- pretty disappointed. <laughs> okay, very exciting. Uh, I think we've come to the very last question here, and we ask everyone always on the show, uh, who they would like to see next on the show. Do you have anybody that you feel would be good for us to talk to? Uh, right. So definitely. I'm thinking, I mean, of course, uh, I guess in the SaaS space, you guys would interview um, people across different functional roles. I think what could be one that's interesting, of course, playing on my Nordic connection, I would say uh, probably uh, one of the product manager i used to work with an episerver uh now he has actually well actually five years ago he has moved on to contentful okay and now he's also and uh, move on to the next thing is peter sanna mm-hmm. so he's kind of like the the guy that started this headless cms movement <laughs> so i'll say he's probably a really really you know, useful one to be interviewing. And, and I'm sure he has a lot of interesting things to share. 
Okay, Headless is very, very attractive right now, so we'll definitely pick that up with him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jutze, and uh, see you around. Thank you so much. Take care now. Bye-bye. Right. I think we learned a lot about cybersecurity in this episode as well, Daniel, <laughs> as well as marketing. Definitely. So are you more scared or <laughs> more secure? Uh, I think I'm more aware. And it, it, ma- it makes me feel good that there's companies like Outpost24 out there protecting us. Yeah, that's a good one. So what was your main takeaway from the episode? Uh, my biggest takeaway was that I learned a lot of new things and I learned a new um, abbreviation return on pipeline. I think it was really interesting to hear how she looks at the return investment in two steps. First, you got to build pipeline and then you got to convert the pipeline. And and that was a, a slightly new concept for me and how, how you track these things. That was interesting to hear. Okay. What about you, Thomas? Yeah. So I think my biggest takeaway is when she talked about all the tools out there in the MarTech stack that it was was most important was to have them integrated in a good way and uh, you know me myself I, I get easily excited of new technology and new services and I mean when you grow as a company you may easily end up with loads of different systems and you need to log into every system to keep track of what you're doing so I think from the start have an integrated strategy with your marketing tools is um, a pretty good idea sounds like a good idea I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you look forward to upcoming episodes. And uh, if you want to help us get the word out, there are some things that you can do. You could engage in the posts we do on LinkedIn and Facebook, uh, help to spread the word. And also, uh, if you like, you can go into um, Spotify or Apple Podcast and give a review and a rating. That We would appreciate that as well. It's a good way for us to find new listeners. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can reach out uh, through LinkedIn or by emailing us to contact at sasnordic.com. And um, what else, Daniel? Keep on listening, keep on providing feedback, and there's a lot more episodes coming here before Christmas. So stay safe, stay healthy, speak soon. Bye.